yo, what up, everybody? And welcome to another brand new episode of the award-winning, world-famous Behind the Baller podcast. This show is recorded in 12K hyper-definition sound, okay? Elon Musk ain't even got this technology. This is a Dust Brothers production, and I am your host, Ben Baller, also known as the Korean John Cusack, the Korean Liam Neeson, the Korean Ong Bak, the Korean Gene Wilder, and also known as the Korean Tommy Lasorda. Let's fucking go, guys. Ladies and gentlemen, happy Memorial Day. This is the weekend wrap-up. FYI, this episode is dedicated to my best friend in life, Jonas Bavakwa. Jonas passed away 10 years ago today. I will share a special story about him and who he was later in this episode. I've talked about him quite a bit on this show already. But uh, before we start, congrats again are in order for one half of the podcast producers of the year, the Dust Brothers, very own Miles Davis. Miles, congrats, bro, for real. Uh, Mr. Miles Davis tied the knot this weekend in the lovely city of Santa Inez, California, to his lovely wife, Carolina. And let me say it was a very beautiful, intimate wedding, is the way I think weddings should be. Private, nice, just chill. Miles's family, Carolina's family, super fucking amazing people. Both families, so classy. I could just tell. I could tell why Miles is so fucking amazing. And the name is the way he was raised. Okay. Uh, the place was like a cute little cottage, super in the cut, about two hours north of Los Angeles. The actual wedding was a, just a beautiful location. It was outdoors, it was nice. We don't have to worry about masks and shit like that. You know, everyone's pretty much vaccinated or whatever. Everyone's taking tests. But um, one small little thing. I don't want to bring up no negative shit, right? It was not really a negative. The overall event was amazing. But me, Jordan, and Miles almost had to tire motherfucker up, okay? Like, man, some toy cops just take their jobs way too serious, okay? And on such a special day, like a wedding, like you can really fuck up someone's day. You, know, you should know that. When you work in any kind of place where you know there's a wedding involved, no matter what the fuck is going on, you should be courteous, okay? And I always say, you don't know what's going through someone's head. But if you're working at someone's wedding, don't come to fucking work if you're on that fuck shit, okay? You are working there on possibly, maybe, the best day of their life. So shut the fuck up and just do your job. No matter how fucked up it is. It is their greatest day, okay, shithead? Anyways, um, shout out to my boy. Uh, well, actually, Illegal Cartel was in the house. So that was nice to finally put a face to the name. And that was dope that they were in the building. Uh, by the way, Miles' dinner was delicious. To be kind, if it was trash, I would have just said nothing. But my salmon was fucking fire. That salad with fucking like nectarine and shit in it was fucking fire. Everything was good. And I was able to eat a carb-free dinner. Um, Mr. Miles, having an open bar was a very G thing to do. Some people have a host bar, whatever, boom, that was G. 
right, I'm gonna let you know right now. And I couldn't drink. My foot was broken. Obviously, my fucking couldn't dance wearing fucking Jordans with my suit. But I didn't have to drink. You wanna know why? Because Jordan Winter, the other half of the Dust Brothers, was drunker than fucking Rodney Dangerfield on the set of Caddyshack. Like, Jesus, bro. Fucking Jordan, my God, man, you were fucking trashed. I love it. Miles was fucked up too. It was fucking amazing. I couldn't dance, you know, but everything you needed was there. And there was a lot of love. So again, man, thank you so much, Miles, for having me. I couldn't miss it for the world. Um, I didn't want to talk about it in this episode, man. London got really sick this week. Um, it's an unfortunate situation. We were like, you know, emergency room, the whole nine all over again. The saturation level got real low. But it was like, look, I can't miss this fucking day. Not, not to say that, that my family doesn't come before Miles, but it's like I had to be there, you know. Was, I'm so glad I did go there. And um, we stayed at this place called the Chumash Casino Resort in San Inez, right across the street from where the resort was. I was stayed at where Miles was, but they didn't have a, a one night. They only had two night minimum. But the fucking hotel, the casino was fucking packed. Mad Filipino people there. It was crazy. It was like a fucking massive fucking casino. And um, they had a nice little gift shop. And uh, they had truff at the gift shop. So I knew this place was pretty cool. But uh, I didn't really get to explore, you know, um, the night before Jordan said he was gambling and stuff. And I wanted to kind of, you know, play a little cards and shit. It was just so fucking packed. It was crazy. It was nuts. I have not even been in that area before in my life. But again, Miles, thank you so much. It was so great to meet your family and everybody else. Pivot. Big shout out to Aston Martin North America for loaning me a new DBX SUV. 2021, new body style, everything for the weekend and then some. Um, they gave me the car for seven days, right? So, you know, driving up the 101 and up PCH, up the coast and um, um, to Miles' wedding. And, uh, you know, you cut off the 101, you get on this Highway 154. And it's just like a fucking beautiful, open, long road. And I actually saw a lot of CHPs pull people over, uh, higher patrols, that is. And uh, I was lucky. But I got to test out the DBX a little bit, you know, a little something, right? Let me say this. This car whips like Zorro, okay? I put the car in Sport Plus. When we got, I was in Sport, right? Starts off when you start you're in GT. You could be individual. You could start fucking with the modes. I got this bitch in Sport Plus. That means full go, traction control off. And I put my wife in fucking like anxiety mode. She was just like, can you please slow down? Like we had a little bit of traffic going up and shit. I was like, nah, fuck this. As soon as we get that open road, I'm going ham. So this DBX was taking corners. It was like a weird highway. Like, you know, it was, it was what our 55, 60 miles, but it was open. So I was like, fuck this. It was taking corners hot, all good. No issues. I didn't feel no mushy breaks, nothing. And not once did I feel like, okay, this bitch is trying to come off the ground a little bit. You know, I didn't feel that at all, right? I didn't even need to feel like I needed to get into paddle shifters. I didn't get like that, you know, crazy with it too much because the auto transmission felt so responsive, which I never say that, okay? If I'm really getting there kind of squirrely and shit, you know, like I want to get into the fucking paddles, you know, and get into fucking uh, e-gears and shit. Anyways, the gas mileage was actually very good considering... I was on the pedal most of the time, like on the drive up. I was fucking going hard, you know, hard. And one thing for sure is, again, this car drives. You know, this is a driver's car. That's what I mean. The feel like of the steering wheel and just the whole experience of this car is great. You know, 
uh, for a car, obviously I, I can reference the Lamborghini, right? And that was it's a great vehicle, of course. The Lamborghini is, you know, but um, I'll get into that in a second, right? But like, you know, even like people say the Macan Turbo is like amazing car, and it feels. And I understand why people love it so much, but this feels a lot better than the Macan Turbo S, right? And uh, it's a lot more money, but it just, I don't know, man. Astons have their own type of just everything. Everything they do is not like any other car. So even like their shifter, you know, that may confuse some of you guys driving a car. Be like, hey, how the fuck do I put it in drive? Whatever. You know, you got to go over the center console area, you know, if you want to put it in reverse drive or in park. But anyways, look, I, I really enjoyed this car a lot. Okay. A lot of power, a lot of get up, a lot of torque. It was nimble. It could go in and out, weave, and it just... It didn't feel like an SUV at all whatsoever. I really had a good time driving this car. The interior is very spacious. All right, it seats five, legit. I had the entire Yang Yang inside, and we went, you know, on a little drive to grandma's house. And, um, you know, I still have it for a few more days, so I might take it up to Angela's Crest today to really test it out, like to really see what kind of gangster levels it can get to. But uh, more about the inside. Uh, the stereo is really crisp. Um, I didn't see if it was Burmeister or Bowers Wilkins or Bose or whatever the fuck. It's just the music. I was listening to music all the way up and podcasts. Sound is crystal clear. It was Dust Brothers sound quality. Okay. But overall, this DBX is really growing on me. Um, mind you, this is not a cheap vehicle. Again, okay. A decently specced out DBX would run you well over $200,000, okay? Um, it could get up to $250,000 easy if you choose the options like I would choose, like get, you know, the carbon fiber and shit like that. Uh, but again, this car is built on its own chassis, it's, its own, you know, complete body style, all right? It's not like the Urus. Uh, the Urus is pretty much an Audi AQ8. If you put an Audi Q8 next to it and have like a, get like a, look at all black Audi Q8, like with some wheels or something, you're gonna be like, oh shit, that's a fucking Urus. And it really is, right? Or like how Bentayga looks like the fucking Volkswagen. Um, the fuck is that thing? I'll start with the Q. Anyways, it's like that Volkswagen fucking SUV, except with the stronger engine. You know, obviously has the Bentley lights and the much more luxurious interior. Okay, Aston built their own new body SUV, and you got to respect that. They didn't want to use anything else. So, anyways, once again, thank you very much to Aston Martin North America. If I do take this car to the canyons today, I will let you know in episode one eighty nine. All right, I'll let you know what the real deal is, right? But I mean, for the most part, for what I, I mean, I, I drove everywhere I needed to drive. I hit the gas on this bitch, you know, head over 100. I'm doing everything I need to do, you know. But, uh, you know, it was fun, man. But right about now, we're going to do a real quick commercial break. And then I'm going to tell a nice little story. It's story time, y'all, okay? Not Forrest Gump story, but it's Jonas B story time, okay? So Mr. Newly Married Man, Miles could you please give the BTB Army some Lakey Lake, please? And we'll be right back. It's summer, y'all. Camping season. So let's talk about pitching tents. That's right. This episode is sponsored by Blue chew guys confidence can take you far in life it could also help in the bedroom 
especially when it comes time to step up to the plate. That's where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablet form and at the fraction of the cost. You could take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready for whenever the opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. So no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. I just started taking them and damn. Okay, with Blue Chew, men everywhere are excited to see the postman because when your package has arrived, your package has arrived. They always say first impressions are important. What about lasting impressions? Huh? It's time to get off the couch and get back to work. If your tool needs an upgrade, head to bluechew.com. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, Blue Chew can help. And we've got a great special deal for our BTB listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code BALLER at checkout. Just pay $5 for shipping. That's bluechew.com promo code BALLER to receive your first month for free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. I met Jonas Bavakwa in the early 2000s when LRG was fairly new. He founded LRG in 1998. Uh, and uh, anyways, early 2000s, I met Jonas. This was during the Sound Bombing 3 soundtrack, uh, I believe. It, it was for sure, right? Uh, Sound Bombing was a, a series of mixtapes or like, you know, it was a compilation that dropped on the infamous Raucous Records. Raucous was like the pure hip-hop indie label, like the real, for real shit, right? Most Def, Talib, Kweli, like, they were, like, not having no whack shit. Like, they were the, you know, the OG. Before Griselda ever existed, That that's what they were. Anyways, LRG had made some Letterman Varsity jackets for the release. My boy B. Nguyen introduced me to Jonas. Jonas was very big on the OG elements of real hip-hop, okay? He always supported that shit, you know? He loved music so fucking much. He loved bars. He loved beats. He loved all that stuff. In fact, he was like a DJ for a little bit, you know, and he wanted to rap. But uh, uh, Jonas was fucking awful at rapping, okay? Nobody would ever tell him in his face, not even like famous people that were getting close with No one wanted to be, they were too scared to let him know. But I let him know every time I could. I let him know like, like fam, please stop. Okay, like stop rapping dog, like for real. He'd be like, no, no, but listen, listen. And he'd be like drunk or something trying to tell him. I'd be like, no, I don't want to fucking hear this shit. Okay. Anyways, in like late 2005 is when me and Jonas, I was a fairly new jeweler. Me and Jonas reconnected and that was it. We were like Rob Bass and DJ Easy Rock. It takes two type shit. Okay. BFFs for life, inseparable. Okay. 
there's really just too many memories. And especially if we start talking about magic, you know, the magic trade show in Vegas, like we turned that shit out like nobody else could. That was like, that was literally the Oscars for us. That was the Grammys and the Oscars. Like we just turned that whole show out. But since I don't want to make this like a two hour episode on Miles's new like wedding weekend, because he has to do the editing on this shit, right? I just want to share, you know, a quick story that was about a trip to the bay. Was it like two stories? It's just it's a, it was a weekend. So it's like a couple of stories, but all happened in the same weekend, right? Oh, was it a weekend? Was it a weekday? What the fuck was it? Okay, anyways. LRG had just got the job. They just got greenlit to collaborate with um with Apple. Right? They got their first collab with fucking Apple. And this was via Monster Cable. All right. Monster Cable is actually a fucking massive, huge. They're like the first, um, they're actually the first company to produce Beats by Dre headphones, but they were doing headphones and shit way before Beats by Dre. They were doing, you know, they had monster headphones and stuff. And this was a brand that was based out of San Bruno, California, right? Just south of San Francisco. In fact, again, Monster was a huge brand at one point. And they're the apex of sound cables for like, if you need RCA cables, HDMI cables, optic cables. Some of you guys are like, what the fuck is that? Because all you guys know is HDMI now. This is before that, okay? For speaker wires, all that shit. Any hi-fi sound shit at the time, you know, Monster was the biggest fucking uh, company when it came to that type of shit. And uh, during this time we were visiting Monster, they had sponsored Candlestick Parks. They own, like you could buy a park like T-Mobile Park, uh, fucking AT&T Park, whatever the fuck it is. So Candlestick Park at the time, during this period of time, was called Monster Park. And so LRG was making their first iPhone case in collaboration with Monster, and this was going to launch with the very first iPhone, and it did. And it was only in Apple stores, and it was on the Monster website and on LRG website. They were sick fucking phone cases, by the way. These were really, really dope. And uh, this was a monumental moment in Jonas's career and LRG's career and everything. And at the time, Steve Jobs still alive and was very hands-on with everything he did. So he got to see and touch this iPhone LRG case, and he's the one who approved it. And, um, you know, he greenlit it, was like, yeah, do this collaboration, boom. Uh, and that meant everything to Jonas, as he was like a fucking huge fan of Steve Jobs, right? Just like Kanye and stuff. You know, Kanye and, and Jonas were pretty close back in the day. For those of you who don't know, uh, Kanye was a spokesmodel for uh, LRG for, for years. So for the launch of this collab, we all hopped on a flight and we head like headed over for a 24-hour field trip to San Francisco. And uh, during this field trip, we visited the campus for Monster, and we uh, also went to a Niners game at Monster Park. Uh, to be honest, I was so self-obsessed with what the fuck was going on with me and Jonas and just our own lives. I actually didn't even remember who the fuck the Niners were playing, but I do remember it was a big night because they were honoring Bill Walsh who I will say is one of the greatest coaches in NFL history. Now, we were on the field during the fucking, like the kickoff part, like most of the game, we were on the fucking field, right? And that was due to Jonas's juice card and like how, how much fucking monster fuck with him. We had every credential you could think of, okay? He was the president of LRG and Noah, um, 
Noah Lee, the, the president CEO of uh, Monster, fuck with all of us, right? So we had like fucking Mercy Alago out in the fucking in the parking lot with LRG cases in it. I had all my chains. We had security. We were acting fucking crazy, right? Jonas had a team there. You know, I had one of my boys there, and uh, Jonas's team, like his dad, came with us. He had his business partner. He had um, his also the other half owner of LRG. Rob was there, and when we first started the tour at Monster Cable at the campus, right? It was like 10, 10 30 or something. And then like right around eleven AM is when we started drinking. Okay, this is two thousand seven when I used to drink. Okay. And so by the time we got to the football game, like we motherfuckers was tilted. We was out. We was fucked up, right? And I don't remember if this was a Monday night game or a Thursday night game, but it was a night game. So if this wasn't Thursday, then it maybe it was a Monday night football game, might have been, but it was a fucking night game for sure. Okay, and by the end of the game, everyone that was with us was drunk as fuck. Okay, people arguing or some weird shit. And these guys really are all positive people, all the LRG guys, great environment, everything. But there was some like sort of discrepancy with the field passes or anything. And I think that they're pissed off. I was shooting my reality show at the time, and I think they're mad that I had a pass, maybe robbed it. I don't know what happened, but Eagles were hurt and whatever. And I had no intentions doing anything. You know, I let Jonas handle whatever. I was just you know just moving. And that's just the way shit is. Some people don't get how Hollywood gets and how things are with with things. And just, you know, you got to keep it pushing. And um, Jonas almost got into a fucking physical fight with one of his partners, right? One of the investors of LRG, dude named Charlie, who Charlie would have whooped his ass. Charlie's an old school real G. Like this motherfucker drink a whole bottle of fucking Jack fucking Daniels and that motherfucker shits vegetables. He's a beast. Like to this day, Charlie's probably in the 60s or 70s. Charlie will whoop some ass. Okay, he's a badass motherfucker, right? He's like John Wayne at LRG. He's a bad motherfucker. And uh, he would have beaten the dog shit out of Jonas, just so you know, all right? And Jonas was like like in fucking stance mode, like Oscar Lohan, like, come on, fam, what's up? And I was like, oh my God, here we go. And people are just drunk and acting stupid. Uh, just so you know, Jonas was 5'7 with Air Force Ones on, okay? He was maybe 125 pounds with all his chains on, okay? So we all needed to cool off. And so we had this private after party that uh, Kevin Lee had thrown. Um, that's uh, the president's uh, CEO's son, who was, I think, like the vice president, was like the second or third in charge at Monster. So we had this private party in the city in Union Square, my favorite fucking places, right? It's a dope-ass bar. I've actually been there a couple of times. I forgot what the fuck it's called. But it is on a street that I love, very little secluded little street in Union Square called Maiden Lane, okay? Most of the real ritzy European boutiques, like... Christian Louboutin or like Hermes or Chanel, they're off Maiden Lane or there's like an entrance from it, whatever. So back in the day, the street has a history of like, you know, just always having like fresh ass boutiques. And since the 80s, even they have like really fly boutique stores. Right. And uh, I remember in the mid or late 80s, my brother used to love this boutique there called Ralph Davies. So anybody who's in their 50s, late 40s or, you know, early 60s, maybe, I have no idea if anybody's even fucking 60 listening to the show, but Ralph Davies was that shit. That was like the Max Fields of the time, right? And uh, Robin Williams used to shop there. And like, I don't, Wilkes Bashford was down the street. It was like a really nice custom tailor suit place. And by the way, Robin Williams is an SF native. You know, he's fucking always, and he's, he's actually, Robin Williams had great style, rest in peace. But he used to shop there along with the other Frisco elite. But anyways, there's maybe 10 guys in our entire crew, okay? And that's including Jonas's dad, right? 
And then we get to this bar and there's 30 girls there. So the ratio was crazy. And all I remember is just being high as shit off that real good fucking Bay Area Kush. And I was just drunk as shit, right? And we're just there chilling. And somehow Warren Sapp shows up and he's at the bar. And I don't know what the fuck was happening. I thought I was dreaming, right? And I think one of my boys, Tyrone, was like, he's like, what's up, Warren Sapp? Like just joking. And it was really fucking Warren Sapp. But anyways, it was, that was just random. Um, we decided to go back to the hotel after the party, whatever, chilling. And we were fucked up, right? We're staying at the Fairmont. You know, it was like one of the only five-star hotels they had there. And we invited four girls to come back with us, but uh, they had to drive in their own car. Uh, Uber didn't exist back then, obviously. So we had our own driver, had our own security, and Jonas is trashed. He's fucked up, right? Nothing new at all whatsoever. So we get into our hotel suites, and our rooms are connected, right? And Jonas gets on the phone and just starts begins to order room service. This is a routine that we always do. No matter what fucking hotel he is, Room, me and the motherfucker are kings of room service, right? Room service king. And this motherfucker orders five orders of chicken wings, five orders of french fries. He orders a fucking fruit plate, a bunch of Red Bulls, a bunch of Diet Cokes. And we already had a liquor cabinet, right, in his suite. So it was lit. Like, we were ready to turn up and everything, right? So I go into my room and I start changing and shit. You know, I'm trying to get freshened up and everything. And I come back and Jonas is passed out on his bed. Right, but I didn't pay any attention to him. Just, I just saw him just pass the fuck out. Right, so I'm trying to get the party started. I'm getting some music going on the iPod. Like, when's the last time you fucking heard of an iPod, right? And I'm just trying to get everything fucking right, trying to set the tone, get everything right. And so these girls, they're you know they get to the lobby. The lobby's like, hey, we have you know such and such here to see you. I was like, all right, cool. So the timing was like perfect, right? The girls and the room service get to our suite at the same time. And the way the suite was set up was there was a Jack and Jill style thing. You know what I mean? It was like the living room, whatever, boom. But, you know, and then my room and then Jonas' room. But, but the way that we had the room service set up was it was going to Jonas's room, right? So even though it was Jack and Jill uh, and we had suites, the entrance to the actual room uh, was through Jonas's bedroom where he was sleeping, where he you know, faced the bed. So I told the girls and the room service to come in. The girls were kind of like walk to, I said, go to the right because Jonas, you know what, boom. And so the dude brought the room service directly into the bedroom, okay? And the room service attendant was, uh, I'm almost positive, like, you know, he, he, I think he was gay, right? Just the way he was talking, like his mannerisms, his speech, and, um, you know, and I have no issue with gay people. I think you guys already know that, right? It's never, ever been an issue. Uh, and um, when he pushed the cart of food in front of Jonas's bed, he was like, uh, oh my. And again, I wasn't paying attention, okay? Like, I was like trying to get ready for these girls. So I look over at Jonas, and he's passed out on his bed, face up, on top of the sheets, right? He had taken his dick out and his balls and put them over his um, Gucci belt, Literally, his balls are sitting on the double G's and his dick is just, cock is just out. Put it over his jeans. Because Jonas would like sag, right? He would rock it. You know, he would sag his pants really low. And he's just literally showing his balls and cock, right? And it just out. And he's passed out. And the whole situation looks sus as fuck, right? So the room service dude is really uncomfortable. But, you know, he's like kind of like, okay, it's all good. You know, we're in San Francisco, right? You know, like, and... You know, for those of you who don't know, 
San Francisco for the longest, and at one point, and it still is, I think, right, is the gay capital of the world, and it has been, okay? Now, within seconds later, these girls are like, you know, they were eating french fries off the cart. They're wondering where the food is, and I'm like, you know, I don't know why the fuck you brought it in there, but they come back in because they were eating french fries. They wanted more french fries off the cart, so they go in, they see the guy who, you know, um, the, the room service guy who's, who's obviously gay, whatever, and I'm there, and Jonas, they see Jonas's dick, and I'm like, you know, changed. I'm not wearing the same shit I was wearing at the club. I'm in basketball shorts now, and I'm wearing a wife beater. And so these girls thought that we were gay lovers and besties. And I was like, no, 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 wait, hold on, check this out. No, 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 chill, chill, chill. Listen, this ain't what it looks like. And I had like water on my face because I was like trying to wash my face. So it, was like, it, just, it just looked crazy, all right? Like, look, I was like, no, check it out. Jonas is playing. He likes to do weird shit like this. I don't fuck with him like that. Come on now. But the girls didn't believe me. And they were just like, nah, they were like, fuck this. They actually were upset and they were talking shit. And so um, they left and I was actually really embarrassed. So I remember, I don't know if the fuck room service wasn't very much. It was maybe 113 bucks. I remember giving the dude 100, $100 just because I felt fucking bad. He had a seat. I was like, it's fucking, come on, man. But again, he walked in the fucking room. You know, anything could happen when you walk in the room. It is what it is. It's different times, right? This is fucking 14 years ago. But this fucking guy, Jonas, wakes up every fucking day during this time. It's 7 a.m. He could be partying all fucking night hardcore. Wake up at 7 a.m. and run 20 miles Ride his bike 25 miles. It's fucking crazy. Especially after drinking the entire day and the entire night prior. He'll get up and just act like nothing's wrong. Like I'm hungover and I'm fucking pissed because I stayed up all night lurking my space to see if anyone else was in town. And this fucking guy acts like nothing had happened. All right. And I'm just like shaking my head. He wakes up. He's like, yo, what happened? What the fuck? Did we smash? And I was like, no. Did me and you smash? Did you? What the fuck are you talking about? Right. But anyways, just a fucking funny ass uh, story. I, I have shared so many stories about Jonas and his genius and his creativity and all that. I had to share this one because it was so fucking funny. And again, his dad came with us on this trip. So like, you know, like when his dad saw him get out of pocket, he was like, fuck this. I'm going back to my fucking room and shit. You know, I'm not fucking dealing with this. And his dad's like a really cool dude. He was actually my accountant for a while. Um, shout out to Jersey Joe. Uh, remember, Jonas was adopted, okay, his dad's Italian, he had six adopted brothers and sisters of all races, black, you know, uh, Ethiopian, Asian, uh, white, all kinds of shit, right, and uh, he had a sister and brother that were openly gay, and obviously, we never cared about that because we worked in fashion, he worked in fashion, I just want to say that, right, you know, because it was just funny because I would randomly run into this one girl that was one of the four girls from that night at the event, and like I would see her like in Vegas at an event. I remember starting in LA again. And she'd be like, you know, she fucking told somebody. She's like, you know, Ben and, and Jonas are closet gay, right? I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Like crazy as fuck. I'm not going to sit here and get vulgar and share anything else. But look, ain't nothing wrong with none of that shit. It just ain't. I couldn't look at some dude's hairy ass. And she'd be like, yeah, that's what I want. It just ain't for me. I don't give a fuck what you guys want with her. Boom. But anyways, that is one of the many crazy nights. And I swear to God, even with a reg- like on a boring ass Tuesday night, like a literally a dead Tuesday night in like fucking November, all right? We would be in, I would be with Jonas either in my condo in Beverly Hills or in Laguna or when he had his condo in Elisa Viejo. Like we would just turn out a fucking bullshit Tuesday night into a super lit night. 
we just have good fucking times, man. You know, it just it just didn't matter, man. No matter what, my bro just brought excitement and electricity and brought so much confidence to my life. I felt stronger when I was around him. And I know he felt the same way, man. Like Jonas, man, I miss you so much, bro. I just, man, just fuck. I can't believe it's been a decade since he's left us. You know? And as it is, today's the last day of Asian Heritage Appreciation History Month, whatever the fuck it is. Listen, Jonas is 100,000% the most prominent Asian male that I've met in my lifetime. That's no cap, okay? He should be honored on a major scale one day, okay? Jonas, I love you, bro. I got goosebumps in my arm telling these stories, man. And, uh, Till we meet again, bro. So Memorial Day will always be kind of a little bit bittersweet for me uh, because of Jonas's passing. It's always been just a weird thing. Reminds me of that. Um, I haven't felt that way with the Kobe situation on my birthday, but you know, I'm not really too fond of my birthday anyway i don't really care you know i just uh i've gone to a level where uh, the birthday is just another day right I, I live life every day as it was my birthday and i really truly do mean that i could go do anything i want to on every single day so it's that's a beautiful thing but um i hope you guys are having a very safe uh, memorial day out there but uh man pivot i hit a dodgers game with my unofficial auntie susan and her beautiful daughter jane and it's so crazy because I just talked about Jonas. Like Susan has two adopted kids, and Jane is from China. She's Chinese, such an amazing girl. The other girl is, uh, I believe, she's from Africa. And um, uh, Jane just graduated from Buckley School last year, and uh, she just now just finished her freshman year at Loyola Marymount, and she has like a fucking four point three GPA, super smart girl, just amazing. I wish I could, you know, like I fucking pray Kaya could be as amazing as uh, Jane is. And so we all jumped into Susan's Mulsanne. Fucking love that car, by the way, which is so lavish. And I'm never not driving. So it was real nice to just kind of kick back and just chill and, and not have fucking colitis bother me or whatever. So, you know, we drive, hit the Cesar Chavez Ravine and um, she actually took an entrance I never took before, which is another thing too, in 40 years of going to games, never went that way, but it was cool. And this is my first official post-pandemic sporting event. So, you know, I didn't bring shit. I had my jacket, I had my wallet, you know, my basic shit. No shoulder bag, no mini pack, nothing, nothing, everything, all right? Um, I just had a small disposable, uh, of course, disposable, what the fuck am I talking about? I had a small pack of wipes and that's it, just in case, right? If I had to take a shit, if I had to wipe something down, whatever the fuck it may be. And of course, I had my Sonos, uh, is it Sono? Sonos, I forgot. Sono hand sanitizer, medical grade level. But uh, Susan, um, she's had season dugout tickets forever. I think she's been to a couple games during this post-pandemic. And Dodger Stadium isn't fully open yet, right? June 15th, they do. And, and um, you know, the vaccinated seats are now, right now, they're in the all-you-can-eat section. So that's the, the right field pavilion where you get to all, all the foods free. Vaccinated section was super late. There was fucking crazy there. But the stadium was popping. It was definitely at the capacity that Dodger Stadium could be at. But again, uh, Susan has amazing fucking tickets. And um, she's had fucking dugout seats forever, as far as I know, right? If you know, then you know. 
the dugout buffet at Dodger Stadium is as legit as it gets for any professional sports arena, any arena, period, okay? New York Knicks shit is kind of dope, the candy bar stuff and everything, right? Not that there can't, no, no, fuck that. No, no, it's not. Because the fucking Dodger Stadium has a candy bar, they have the brownie bar, dessert bar, they got the fucking Sunday bar, they got the fucking coffee, they got everything. But because of COVID, they have no buffet, all right? They set a preset menu. You could sit down and order. I had a filet mignon and it was super decent, um, and a ton of snacks still, like, you know, Cracker Jacks, all that shit, everything, beverages you could choose from, bottled water up the fucking wazoo. Plus, you had, you know, the service that they bring you to the dugout if you want to order nachos and more hot dogs, whatever the fuck it is. It just was lit. Okay. So I got to watch the game from three rows back off a of home plate. It was like super random because on the drive to Dodger Stadium, Susan's guest was a lady who works in the music business and she worked with the Rolling Stones and stuff. And so I talked about my godfather, Lou Adler. And Lou Adler is a top 10 icon in rock and roll music history, especially when it comes to festivals and stuff because he created one of the first festivals ever, Monterey Pop Festival. But his production credits are like from Carol King to the Mamas and the Papas. And, you know, that song California Dream, he produced that. Tom Scott, Rolling Stones, Sam Cooke, even the fucking Beatles, okay? Just Google, do me a favor, Google Lou Adler and you'll see his resume is not to be fucked with. There's nobody who has done what this guy has done in the world. Okay, like I said, Susan's friend had brought up his name and we talked about some stuff. It was fucking weird. I almost felt like I manifested that energy and I saw Luke because I've been thinking about him lately. I didn't see him throughout the whole pandemic. We've talked a little bit, but he goes to Laker games, right? He does not go to Dodger games. So he was there with his three kids, Manny, Ike, and Oscar and his wife, Paige. It was dope. I gave them a huge fucking hug, all the big hug. Um, Lou is sitting front row. They're all sitting front row. Lou is 87 years old and still, to this day right now, if I could live one quarter the life he lived, I would die beyond happy and beyond satisfied. What he is as not just a businessman or a mogul in the music business, but what he was in fucking just life. He just, as a dad, everything, okay? He turned 88 this year. Okay. And to be honest, he's sharper than I am today. It's wild. He would still play ball with us when he was like 60. It was just, we go like hard and you fucking play. It was just crazy. Anyways, we swept San Francisco in San Francisco, right? 3 0. And that night we took an L, right? Of all the fucking games. So I was low key salty, right? So for this four game trip with the Giants coming to LA, we went one and three against them. So Overall, out of seven games, we still topped them four to three. But like, you know, like my first game back, like I really wanted a W for my boy Walker Bueller. You know, we got the same agent. He's always showed love. You know, we follow each other on Instagram and everything. But Walker, when he was up for his first at bat, he saw me. He's like, you know, gave me a wink, showed love. And uh, when he saw me sit in the dugout seats, it was crazy because he had offered me seats in the similar seats, I'm sure. But it had been so long since I seen my friend Susan. I had to go out there, right? And she has a fucking uh, a vacation house in Positano. I cannot wait to fucking take my family there with them. Anyways, we go into extra innings and Jane um, watches a lot of baseball too and she has her, she's like, I hate this, I hate that. So funny because so cute that she has, she has the same feelings I do when it comes to the Dodgers. So we go into extra innings and then they put Jansen in. I was just talking about Jansen and, you know, Susan's like, oh my God, but Jansen's been playing amazing. No, listen, fuck Jansen, okay? 
as soon as he got in, it, I, I told everyone, "Hey, can we go?" One London, you know, London started getting sick right then and there, and that's why I was kind of my wife was kind of riffing. I was like, "All right, we got to get going." So they understood. They were like, "Yeah, that's cool." But I really want. I was like, once Chanson got in, I was like, "Yo, he's the mush. It's a wrap." Even though he's been crushing it in the last or this month, he is the fucking mush. Period. All right, I knew it was over. And guess what? Sure enough, it was. All right, fucking Kenley, fucking Jansen. Like, god damn. Anyways, um, more bad news, man. The fucking Lakers, man. SMH. Uh, we handled business on Thursday, right? Like Thursday night, but we, but we couldn't do shit yesterday. We just couldn't even like. Yes, they outplayed us and everything, but it was just like, it started with that fucking alley-oop to Kuzma from, from LeBron. I just looked at that shit. I was like, man, like what? KCP is out right for the rest. Of, he's done this season, right? And then um, I don't know what the fucking situation. I've tried to look it up, but I don't know if AD is out for the season, right? I don't know how serious his growing injury is, but he just looked like he was in pain throughout the game, right? I'm like, I'm like yo, man, AD is fragile as fuck. Like what? I just, you know what? Now that I think back and reflect on this, I almost wish LeBron just took the season off, said fuck it, because it makes no sense coming back 60, 65%, because it's not like he's scoring 50, 60 points like he used to back in the day, okay? And I won't lie, keep up 100. Before this game yesterday, I thought we had it for sure. I was like, yo, we're about to go 3-1, and then it's a wrap. We're going to do Lakers and Fire, Lakers and Six. But like, you know, I really don't know now. I mean, can we even fucking win this series? But had AD not got hurt, I'm guaranteeing, no disrespect to fucking Austin, my boy, friend of the podcast, and Bobo, and fucking the Joker, and all the motherfuckers, we would have crushed Denver in five. Like, I'm not worried about that. But like now, who fucking knows? I mean, I, I, you know, I don't think, I, I have no idea. This is a very shitty situation. And not to pivot completely, but while we're on sports talk, and this shit has nothing to do with race. I, I just people just are you like I get race has a lot to do with a lot of things these days. It makes people angry. This has nothing to fucking do with race. Okay, it's one of the few things that have nothing to do with race in sports. But listen, media and press, as much as it can suck at times, they ask you some fucked up questions. Guess what? It is part of being a professional athlete. It is part of the game. You signed up for it when you signed up to be a pro athlete. No one said you had to be a hero. No one said you had to be a good example, whatever. You got to do fucking press, okay? When Tiger cheated on his fucking wife with all those other dumbass bitches, whatever, he had to do it, okay? Even he might have done it as an agenda here and there, but when they ask him, boom, some people say, oh, don't ask what question. They'll fucking stop. They don't give a fuck, okay? These new era cats today are softer than soup. And that's just how shit is. So when I see fouls, from like way back in the day, like motherfuckers were getting legit punched in the mouth, punched in the stomach, elbowed and shit. Then I see like today's pussy ass, punk bitch ass fouls. Like just the way that athletes are now today are soft. And I get it, the game is different, great, cool, okay? I don't care if I know you, right? Meaning a celebrity athlete that I know and I don't care if we're cool. Some styles of playing have changed. Again, like I said, but they haven't implemented a four-point shot yet, okay? There's no nine-point touchdown yet. What I'm getting at is a lot of the structure of professional sports has still stayed. Some of you people are probably scratching your head like, what the four-point play, what the fuck are you talking about? Some of you motherfuckers don't know that a three-point play, the three-point shot was implemented like in the mid-80s. I was fucking playing basketball, watching basketball when the fucking three-point shot didn't exist, 
So that's, you know, it's like, just so you guys understand, press has always been part of the game. If you don't like it, at the fucking very least, go like fucking Marshawn Lynch did. You see what Marshawn did, right? I'm just here so I don't get fined. Do that little petty ass shit. It's not that fucking hard, okay? Nobody is bigger than the game. Not even Kobe, Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, fucking Tom Brady. Nobody's bigger than the game, okay? Even Michael Jordan, after his dad died, MJ had to face the press, okay? The gambling shit, fucking all the shit that was going on during his worst time ever. It's crazy. He had to do it regardless, Okay, now I fuck with Naomi Osaka, but sorry, just because she's black and Asian and young and has to say, oh, it's mental. Look at, she doesn't want to speak. She wants to boycott shit. She sees like, oh, well, I see what they've done to other people. That, that shit don't matter. Everyone is fucking different. You mean like, just because everyone is different, yes, you should have more compassion. No, fuck that. Way too many people are too agreeing and too soft. Okay, that's your prerogative, all right? But you signed up to be a pro athlete. That is actually in your contract to do press. You are not bigger than the game. You are not bigger than the French Open. Boycotting media, that shit ain't gonna pop. You're gonna get fined. They might ban your ass sit there and try to make this a racial thing. It's got nothing to fucking do about race. It ain't about fighting the system and using mental health as a reason. Okay? Don't play then. The game existed before you and it will continue after you. Mental health isn't an excuse when it comes to pro sports. I'm sorry. Yes, everyone has it. I know Ryan Garcia, the boxer, is fucking doing that shit, whatever right now, saying it. And he might have it, okay, but he's not boxing. He doesn't have to face whatever. But if you can't speak to press after your matches, whatever, due to mental health issues, then you probably can't play to your best ability. All right? That's just facts. Everyone has tough times. Everyone has tough days. And I'm never one to agree with the system or with corporations. But this is part of what you signed up for. Regardless of what you think, like, boom, oh, this, no, it's what it is. Just like being a celebrity, it sucks. You got to get security. Now you got to pay for this. You got to pay for surveillance. You got to have people around you. You have to tell people when people are following you. Oh, look, they're going to follow you into the bathroom and fucking hear you take 10 shits. It's, it's just, it the fucking it is the way it is, all right? People are trying to change the game in the wrong ways, you know? I mean, press is press. You got some of the fucking greatest quotables from fucking press. <sighs> Man. Anyways, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. It was definitely heartfelt, right? Again, rest in peace. Jonas Pabakwa, legends never die. Please be safe out there again today. You know, barbecuing, enjoying time with your fam and everything else, reflecting. Reflection is a great exercise, by the way. You should practice it more often. I wish I could barbecue today with my gold Kingsford barbecue grill, but it's not out yet. Very soon. We got just a little bit over a week left until it drops, okay? And uh, FYI, my Tatis X Dogecoin card was the highest selling card in like six weeks or something. I forgot what the fuck it was. Uh, it was the highest selling card in Project 70 in over a month, at least like five weeks or something. It's all these fucking haters that say all this shit. Oh, we are back with the fuck. You're not, you're not even the best. Shut the fuck up, Goofy. All right? Like, shout out to the people that are selling major cards, like Alex Pardee and all them, everything else. I haven't even fucking, I've been doing giveaways, doing all kinds of shit and whatever. I've been doing my gangster shit. I'm a fucking businessman, all right? But I'm back on my gangster shit. So listen, my next card drops next Friday. And that card is going to be Bo Jackson. 
So you already know we're getting it the fuck in. So um, I'm catching back up. I'm not trying to hear all this shit. I'm going back hard in the fucking paint. And uh, I was like, I forgot what the fuck I was. I was like in sixth or seventh place in the third or fourth card. Then I turned up and I'm about to turn up now. So, you know, deal with it. Anyways, congrats to Stephen Chan. Chan with two H's out of Rialto, California. He won the $6,000 gold Dogecoin chain. Um, to see a recap of the IG Live where I picked the winner, go to my IG TV section because it's like an 11-minute video. Did it with full transparency, showing the list. Some fucking dumb fuck was like, of course it was a fucking Chinese guy. I'm not Chinese, you dumb, stupid, fucking idiot. It's fucking hilarious, dog. Like, you don't even fucking realize, man. Fucking so many fucking Chinese people hate Korean people, Korean people hate China. Like, I'm, it's not the fucking same, dumb fuck. Just because we're both in Asia. Stupid, stupid, dumb fucking idiot. Anyways, oh yeah. I'm releasing my dual auto collab with Zoe Winters for our Godzilla card this Friday at 10 a.m., all right? The Hideki Matsui Godzilla card that me and Zoe Winters did, we're going to do a 10, a series of 10 dual autos. Then I'm going to do my regular just 18 uh, BBDTC autos, okay? Of course, exclusively only on BBDTC.com. And last but not least, my next Ben Ball did the strain meet and greet is officially booked now. That is going to be on July 19th. We will have an official launch of BBDTS at Cookies Fashion Valley in San Diego. Not the La Mesa location, just so you know, because there's two cookies in San Diego. Fashion Valley, okay? Yes, we are going hard for San Diego Day, a.k.a. 619 Day. As you know, did I say fucking July? The fuck did I say? I'm sorry, June 19th. I'm a fucking asshole. June 19th is 619, 619, okay? San Diego's area code, 619. All right, guys, I'm sorry. I'm fucking dizzy. It's been a fucking crazy weekend. Okay, y'all, listen, please keep telling everyone that you know about BTB and let's grow this BTB army. For your information, you have to listen to today's entire episode to win the giveaway prize that I'm only giving away to BTB army members on next Thursday's episode. So study today's ep. Make sure you hear everything you need to hear. Make sure you subscribe if you're not subscribing. Make sure you tell somebody to subscribe. And listen, guys, that is it. We are really for real out of here now. Mr. Lakey Lake, please take us out of here, fam. Thank you, sir. Peace, y'all.